Hey guys, it's your host Sam Thornton. Before this episode begins, I wanted to promote the DL Sports Instagram page. The page has a wide variety of sports content with graphics, reels, highlights, and more. So before this episode begins, what I want you guys to do is go ahead, pull out your phone, and follow the Instagram page at DLSportsCom. That's at DLSportsCom. Thanks, guys, and enjoy the show. On this week's episode of On the DL Podcast, we're going to discuss week one of Premier League action from this weekend. The MLB trade deadline and what that deadline meant for teams hoping to make a deep run in the playoffs, deep run in October. NFL training camp updates and other general NFL news. And, you know, just some other notable sports news that's been going on. As you guys know, we always have a lot to get into, so let's not waste any time and let's get started. Welcome to episode number six of On The DL Podcast, and Manchester United are officially frauds. I've come to the conclusion that this franchise is officially cursed. Manchester United, they are an utter mess. They are in utter disarray. They dropped their first opening match against Brighton on Sunday morning. They fell 2-1 to one at home. I think Brighton had won a match at Old Trafford where Man U plays, and maybe I think it was something like 10 years the feeling of being a Man U fan right now to be frank is not the vibe for those who follow soccer in the English Premier League we know that Man U had its worst year in club's history last season finishing six on the table and when you think about that in a larger perspective that's not even that bad when you're an outsider looking in but for a team like Man U that's horrendous the top four go to the Champions League and this is like the first time they've never made the Champions League So, horrible down year last season. There was coaching struggles last year, so they bring in Eric Tenhog, a world-class manager from Ajax, to change the program around. And it's clear from watching today's match that his coaching is not the only issue at hand, and he has a sizable project on his hands. I think he knew he had a sizable project on his hands when he took the job. The team was a mess. It was awful. And it's just hilarious that we as fans thought he could snap his fingers and change everything. Well, now we know it's a problem from the top of the club's franchise. It's a, it's a problem from the very top, from management, from developing players, from just the culture of the whole entire club. It's not a good thing going on right now. If you thought NFL fans were delusional or crazy about their teams, soccer fans in Europe take that same energy and apply it with steroids times a thousand. As soon as Ten Hag was hired in the summer, There were videos of Manchester fans at bars coming up with new chants for the coach because as you see on TV, the fans have all these elaborate chants while they play. It's not just like, let's go Cowboys or like, let's go Ravens. It's songs that they actually sing that have like lyrics that make sense. It's actually pretty cool. Going more into the game, my eye captured that within this game, the belief just wasn't present and that's something that Ten Hag actually came out and said later on the play was sloppy and passive especially in the first half and although they did improve play in the second half they just looked timid and scared they looked like they didn't want to mess up they looked like just afraid and if you want to hear a stat just know that Manchester United is the most abused team on social media 
and the trolling against them is insane. They are literally the Cowboys of soccer. That's who they are. That is their identity. They've had a dynasty in the past. Their fans are annoying. I know I'm an annoying Man U fan. I'm I'm fine with that. Let's just get in on the trolling then. Let's get on. I'll 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 troll some of my own players. Martinez transferred from Ajax. He was he was horrendous today, and he was like he's five nine playing center back defense. That's like a corner in football, and he's like five seven. Like why are you playing back there? He needs to be a forward. I don't know why he's a defenseman. He's not even that fast. Rashford, he was today's striker for some reason. I don't know why he was playing striker, but he was today's striker. He had three chances right in front of that and missed all of them and only hit the goalie once. And he was 10 yards out on every single one, if not closer. Maguire, who's the captain, is awful, too slow. Varane is the best defender and didn't even start. Ronaldo didn't even start. The lineup was questionable. Watching the game just dwindled my spirit. So, I'm not used to this because I grew up a Duke basketball fan. I'm now an Alabama football fan. So I'm not used to this pain. Except, I mean, I guess if you do want to get into deep stuff, I guess Duke did lose in the first round a few times. But it's a good thing that Man U isn't in the Champions League right now because they would get embarrassed with all due respect. There's a long way to go for the squad. And I think transfers need to be, they need to be utilized. We need to get people other than, some of the, especially the midfielders we have. I know Frankie DeJong from Barcelona has been a rumor for a long time. I know there's players from the Portuguese league, La Liga, that are looking that we're looking into. I think Rabio is a is a target for Man U. And just looking at the midfield that Manchester United has, they really need more depth. They need more star power. They need more talented players. Until they fill those gaps, there's no way that Eric Ten Hag is going to be able to build this squad. He's not going to be able to go anywhere with this team if he doesn't have more talent. Another point to mention is the drama between Ronaldo and Ten Hag. Ronaldo in a preseason match last week, I think it was the last preseason match of the season, he left the game early, literally left the stadium right before the match had concluded. I think he played in the first half. He was subbed out in the second half, and he left the stadium, didn't even stay until the end of the game, which... If you have followed Ronaldo throughout his career, shows you more about his ego. <laughs> but Ten Hag was not having it, and he called it out. He called out, you know, one of the best players to ever play the game. Called it disrespectful, inappropriate. Noted that this is a team. Nobody is above the team. Not even one of the best who's ever done it. And it just doesn't matter who you are. You have to stick together with your squad. I know you might not want to be there, but you have to put up with what you have at that moment. You know, he's a great coach from what I could tell so far. Everything is said, everyone has said great things about him. He stands up for what's right. And if he can't fix this team, I don't know if anyone can fix this team. That was probably why Ronaldo didn't start the game because of, you know, that beef, that tea going on between them. But instead, Rashford, like I said, played striker because Martial was injured. That was a big question of. You know, before the match, I was, you know, just looking on social media, looking at some Man United fan pages with Martial out is, is you know, is Ronaldo going to start? But they just went with Rashford instead, which he usually plays left wing. So I really thought they would start Ronaldo, but this is probably why it didn't happen, just because of that back and forth between Ten Hag and Ronaldo, which makes sense. I, I get it. Much more to come on Ronaldo's time at Manchester United because he wants out. 
from multiple reports, he wants out. And I don't know where he would go. No one even wants him. I've seen Chelsea. I've seen Bayern Munich. I've seen Juventus. I've seen a bunch of different teams. But no one wants to have him because no one wants to pick up his contract at his age with all that drama built on top of everything. Let's move on to more Premier League updates. And I don't want to harp on these for too long because I know a lot of this is gibberish to many of you listeners, but it's all we have until football season starts, so we're going to talk about the other kind of football. Manchester City took care of business over West Ham. This was probably, going into week one, this was probably the most anticipated matchup out of all the games. Their transfer from Borussia Dortmund, Erling Holland. if you follow soccer, you know exactly who Erling Holland is. He had two goals. Holland could be the best player in the world, at least the best pure goal scorer in the world. I think he can win this Golden Boot Award with ease if he's going to score one or two goals a match. And if you look at all of his statistics throughout the 100 games or so he's played, he's scored in every single one of those games. Before the season began, I'm pretty sure it was 82 games and 84 goals or something along those lines. Unfortunately for me and for other Prim fans who aren't City fans, City, they look unstoppable. And I don't know if anyone could beat them. And I know that they lost last week to Liverpool in a friendly. It wasn't a friendly, but it was a it was a some sort of match. But they I don't know how they lost that game. They are so good. They're stacked. They have so many great players. Even after the losses of Gabriel Jesus and Raheem Sterling, they have so many good players and they're so deep at every single position i also have a ton of city players on my english premier league fantasy team yes i do play english premier league fantasy so hopefully they keep it up even though i hate them but it's inevitable at this point i just have to put up with it like i said city's biggest threat is liverpool and liverpool struggled this weekend they played fulham who was just promoted they should have lost that match, but were able to draw it 2-2. They were down 2-1 going into the final minutes of that match. That was a shocker considering the line. I think the line was at minus 375 for that match. But sometimes if you study lines, if you study sports betting, you could just study the lines of games and know that something is fishy in the air. And it was the first match of the year. And although Liverpool is an elite club, that line was incredibly high. I think if the line would have been somewhere around... 200 250 even 250 I mean those are high odds but the odd makers always know they always call the shots they always know 375 was suspicious to say the least let's see what else happened so Tottenham they rolled over Southampton four to one they could be a sleeper to compete for the prim title if we're going to be real Kane son this guy Kulisevsky where did this guy come from? I don't, I, I don't even know who this guy is, but they could be a legit team. They had four different players score in their game, and not one of them were Son or Kane. And both those dudes have won the Golden Boot race the last few years, so they are a team to look out for. They're projected to finish third in the Premier League this year, but they could definitely be a sleeper and surprise a lot of people. All right, I think that wraps it up for Premier League. Those were the best teams in action, although I did forget to mention Arsenal and Chelsea. They won, but they were kind of slow matches, easy wins for both those teams. Both teams looked very good. I think that top five of City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea, and Arsenal, I do think that's going to be the top five from base what I saw this weekend. Those were the projected top five. 
I think it's going to finish out, if I had to say right now, just after week one and just after general predictions, I think City's going to repeat. I think Liverpool's going to be second. I think that Arsenal is going to be third. That's a big surprise. I think they're, they played really well this weekend. I think Tottenham will be fourth. I think Chelsea will be fifth. Those are my predictions. Let's discuss some football. The biggest headline from last week was the Deshaun Watson suspension. And there's a lot of layers to this story. So I'm not going to harp on this for too long because there's so many different things that you could dive into. So I'm just going to give my thoughts on the initial suspension that was given out and what I believe should happen and where I think that all of this is going to go. First of all, the six-game suspension, myself and the majority of others, including the NFL, agree that it was way too low. Watson deserves at least a year of suspension with no pay at the bare minimum. Bare minimum, a year, no pay. Remember that the initial suspension of six games was not the NFL's decision. And I was even confused about that at first until that rule change that happened a few years ago. Roger Goodell had no say in the initial suspension of six games. The NFL Players Association judge was the one who decided that based off the evidence that was presented in prior suspensions in that area, that was going to be the suspension. So now the NFL has appealed that decision and wants it to be longer, which we saw coming. We knew that, that, that this was going to be a thing that we were going to see. This is a good move by the NFL because for once, they are trying to make something right about a, about a suspension. For once, they are doing something right. Especially with one of this gravity, it needed to be done. This is about to get extremely messy. And the NFL Players Association is suing the NFL for the appeal. So now we're going to court. We're going to see what the final verdict is. Because of that messiness, it looks like Deshaun Watson is not going to play this year just because of all the timing, all the you know the logistics of figuring out when they're going to court, when everything's going to settle. And I really just hope that no matter how long this takes, I just hope Deshaun Watson gets gets the suspension that he deserves. I mean... Guys, 26 women, 26. You don't have to be a genius to know something so obvious. It's clear that Watson is a sex predator. The guy has issues. He has problems. There needs to be more digging into these cases, and he should get what he deserves. Think about this. Josh Gordon, 25 games for weed. Calvin Ridley gets a whole year for gambling. And then for sexually assaulting 26 women... You give him an initial six games. That's completely inappropriate and unacceptable, and the NFL knows it. So this is why they're doing it. He needs to get an indefinite suspension. If that means he never plays again, so be it. That's a good thing. There's no room in the NFL for this kind of for you know these kind of athletes with that character, and you can't even allow it in any sort of professional setting. Staying on the topic of suspensions and penalties, the Miami Dolphins were stripped of a 2023 first-round pick. For tampering violations that were unprecedented. That was the quote they used, quote, unprecedented. There wasn't just one issue on the subject either. There were multiple violations within the organization. The owner of the Dolphins, Stephen Ross, was suspended from the team for tampering, which included attempting to lure Tom Brady and former Saints head coach Sean Payton to the Dolphins. And these were rumors that we had heard going around for the last couple years, but we never knew if it was actually true. And while this was ongoing, he also told the former head coach of the Dolphins, Brian Flores, 
to purposely lose games so that they could attain a better draft pick. So not only were they tampering with Tom Brady and Sean Payton, but while all of this was going on, he was trying to get the head coach to lose games on purpose, which in result didn't even happen because Flores decided to go against him and win games instead. That second portion of the story of you know purposely trying to lose games was actually never officially confirmed, but it's something that Flores said in a federal lawsuit against the Dolphins, which he filed not too long ago. You know, I commend Flores in this situation, and a lot of people in the media do for this reason of respect and wanting to succeed, even when you're told that you're not going to, you're not allowed to. But it really just sucks that he's only getting a pat on the back for it instead of, you know, another head coaching position in the NFL or even an assistant coach, even in a smaller role because he's a great coach. Still, it's just this guy, Ross, he's a scumbag. It's, it's really just hilarious because he didn't get any of the things he wanted. Everything that was filed against him, he didn't get anything out of it. You want Brady? Nope. He's going to go to a different team. And guess what? He's going to go a team in your same state to the Buccaneers in Florida. You want Sean Payton? Too bad. He's retired. You want to lose games? Too bad. We're going to get 10 wins instead. You know, this case has brought up the question of something that I've been thinking about from all this is, you know, what is the definition of tampering? You know, when does when do discussions turn into tampering? Is it right when it begins? Is it right when a discussion comes about? Because if that were the case, then everyone in a sports league would be guilty of it. It just happened in the NBA with Jalen Brunson and the Knicks. It's defined as when something goes unauthorized or causes damage to one side. I, you know, I guess if it's a time period when you're not supposed to acquire players or if one side isn't notified on what's going to happen, it's considered tampering. And I know with Jalen Brunson, it was a huge shock to Cuban that he was going to New York. So clearly he didn't speak with him first to make sure it was something that he was willing to do. But still, I'm, I'm just... There's a lot of gray area in, in this subject of what what is tampering? Is it just rumors floating about? Is it actual? Is it when an actual talk goes on without unauthorized you know permission? So many teams in in leagues, especially the NBA, comes to mind for me of tanking on purpose. You know, this always happens when they want to tank on purpose for a good draft pick. That's why eventually the lottery was introduced, but it really didn't solve the permanent issue of of tanking. So, like I said, a lot of gray area there. Anyways, I find that aspect really interesting. Let's move on to Aaron Rodgers. You know, we didn't have to confirm this news <laughs> to know it was real, but Aaron Rodgers admitted to the media that the drug ayahuasca, which is a form of DMT, has helped improve his mood and attitude towards his teammates. I think a lot of us already knew <laughs> if we're going to be if you're going to be real here, that uh, that Aaron Rodgers was, was doing drugs in the offseason for a couple years now. Um, <laughs> honestly, ever since he came back with, with the long hair and the way he was talking about the aspect of, you know, gratitude and peace and love and press conferences, you know, everyone noticed. Everyone knew what was going on. You could definitely tell later when he came back this offseason with the tattoo he got. Someone said right after he got it, he was going to get invited in onto Rogan's podcast to discuss what it meant as a joke. But hey, do what you got to do, man. Got you back-to-back MVPs. And is the NFL going to do anything about it? Absolutely not. You want to know why? Because he's one of the big faces of the NFL. They don't care if he's doing DMT in the offseason. They, they don't care at all. 
they aren't going to do a single thing about it. From what I've learned about this drug, because I really had, I really knew nothing about it. So I had to do all this research about it. What I learned about ayahuasca is you have to travel to South America to take it. And it only lasts 15 minutes, but it's the most powerful drug your brain can handle. Supposedly, it clears trauma you've experienced and clears your mind to think differently. So Aaron Rodgers will willingly take the most powerful drug, but will never make up with his family. That's that's cool. That's That makes sense to me. Hey, you do you. I really don't want to dive into all that. What I do want to dive into is how I think the Packers are going to do this season without Adams or without Valdez Scantling. Adams, as we know, is with the with the Raiders now. Valdez Scantling is with the Chiefs. But I know I'm going to fall into a trap. You know, he makes his team amazing no matter what. He finds ways to win games. 7-0 without Adams in his career. They still play in the NFC North, which you can argue is one of the weakest conferences in football. Although I do think the Vikings could give them a decent run this season for the title. You know, everyone always says it's because they hate him. Every year, a piece of that team is gone. A key piece of that team gets injured. You know, Adams got injured last year for a long time. You know, they write him off. They write the Packers off. And he continues to win games throughout the regular season. Aaron Rodgers might be the most intriguing quarterback to me because he's so dominant. And he might be the best quarterback in the game. He can carry the team on his back. And yet, they never make it to the Super Bowl. It's been 10 years plus since they've been. Last year, they lost against the 49ers. Like, what happened to them? Only 10 points. Only 10 points in that game at home. You win back-to-back MVPs, and you can't score more than 10 points. You can't get more than 10 points on the board. It just confuses me. Nobody will deny his skill, but everyone in the end is going to deny his greatness and his legacy at at the conclusion of his career. And I'm not crazy for saying that. He has one Super Bowl. One Super Bowl. That's one more Super Bowl less than Eli Manning. That's the same amount of Super Bowls as Matthew Stafford. I see them going to the divisional round again, but I can't say for certain that they're going to go further than that. They are a playoff team, but he has to prove himself this year. I don't think they're better than the Rams or the Bucks in the NFC. And are they better than the Cowboys this year? Are they better than the Vikings? Are they going to win their own division? Are they better than the Cardinals? Time will tell but it's going to be exciting to watch. I just briefly mentioned the Rams and Matt Stafford, and it's been confirmed that Matt Stafford has been dealing with an elbow injury and pain throughout the summer. He got an injection over the summer for it, but the pain is still giving him lots of trouble in training camp. So Coach Sean McVay even said it's even unusual that a quarterback has been feeling pain and it's been lasting this long. It was quickly downplayed by Stafford the day after those reports came out. He mentioned that he was annoyed with the panic of it, and just from the fans and the media, maybe we were hyping it up a little bit because let's be honest, we're bored and we want to talk about stuff and we want to turn it up a notch more than it should be, especially at this time of the year. He's still throwing in practice and will be on track for week one against the Bills, which by the way, is less than a month away and that game is going to be absolutely incredible. So if your fantasy draft is approaching, don't be afraid to take him. I had him last year. He was great for me. Very consistent player. Also, it's worth mentioning to you guys that within the next couple weeks, probably this week, I'll be sharing my fantasy draft board either on the podcast or on the social pages. I just posted something on Instagram, a little preview for it. So look out for that this week on the Instagram. Going to be posting everything you guys need 
it's going to be like a full full guide for you guys on a round by round basis on who you should take, who you should avoid, tips on positioning, whether you want to go running back heavy or wide receiver heavy, everything you guys need to win your fantasy league this season. I love fantasy football, man. Jeez, I can't wait. I literally can't wait. It's getting me pumped up talking about it. Want to transition here, getting back on track with Matt Stafford. A friend of mine has been saying for a couple years now that Stafford is an elite quarterback. Do you guys agree with that term? What do you determine as elite? Is elite top 10? Is elite top 5? I did a QB rankings on the DL Sports Instagram page a few weeks ago, and I have Stafford at number 7 in my top 10. I think that elite is top 10 and consistent, and you know it's sustained success in this league. Guys like Josh Allen, Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, those guys are elite. But do we count that next tier, you know, Burrow, Stafford, Herbert, Russell Wilson, are those guys elite? And I think we can. I think those guys are elite. I think those guys are elite quarterbacks. I think where you fall off is that eight slot with guys like Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Derek Carr, Jimmy G, etc. Those kind of guys, those guys aren't quite there yet. I think that those guys need that next hump. They need that next playoff push. They need that next championship, whatever the case may be. That's where I'm going to cut it off, though. That eight slot, I think that's appropriate. So, yeah, I think Stafford is an elite quarterback, but I think you can only say that after the season where he, where, you know, where he won a Super Bowl. He was great on the Lions, but he never won anything, obviously. With that franchise, it's too hard to win anything for obvious reasons. So, you know, it's a good thing he got out because now he's able to show his elite status. He's also been that dude since the Super Bowl parade when he was drunk and saw that lady fall off the stage right in front of him, acted like nothing happened. That was such a funny moment. Now, I do think that the Rams can repeat the season if we want to get into that. Absolutely. I think the Rams can repeat the season. You lose OBJ, he was a restricted free agent. It looks like he won't play this season, but guess what? You get Allen Robinson from Chicago. You lose Von Miller on defense, but get Bobby Wagner from Seattle. Cam Akers will be healthy. I know he played in the Super Bowl, but it did, he didn't look 100% to me. Everything's still complete. Offense is still complete. The defense is still elite. They'll be great. Add in the fact that they're in the NFC, which is far more wide open than the AFC. Even if you're a good team in the AFC, there's absolutely no guarantee that you're going to make the playoffs. There's only seven slots you can get, only seven positions to make the playoffs, and the AFC is absolutely stacked. So being in the NFC is huge this year. If the Rams were in the AFC, I would say no way to them repeating. Not this year. Not, not the way that the AFC is that stacked up. That's how important being in the NFC is right now. Let's be clear. I'm not saying that the Rams will repeat, but I think that they absolutely could. They don't even have to have the best regular season. They could just make the playoffs and take care of business from there. All right, we're going to finish up the show discussing the MLB trade deadline. The MLB trade deadline went down last week, and there were tons of moves. I'm admitting that I'm not the biggest baseball guy, but I know there's two occasions when I'll give baseball some love, and that's the trade deadline and the playoffs. So this is all you're going to get until October, so get ready and savor for what I have prepared. The biggest and best trade that occurred, and really the only trade we're going to talk about, was the Juan Soto deal that sent him to the Padres. The Nats got an absolute haul in return from him, which is expected because, you know, Soto is a generational talent. So it looks like the Padres are going all in. 
they have probably one or two shots at this squad before they have to pay everyone and re-sign everyone. So Soto might be out the window or one of those big three guys are going to be out the window. But to be fair, they needed this most because they have to get past the Dodgers. That They're in the NL West with them. They have to get past them. They had to get a player like Soto if they're going to get over that juggernaut squad. Hopefully, it will be enough. The trio of Tatis, Soto, and Machado, that is, that's an elite lineup right there. A lot of balls are going to be crushed. I don't know the ins and outs of baseball and the rest of the roster, really, but I know that that's something that has to be reckoned with. In fact, I feel so confident about them that I even placed a future on the Padres just after the news broke. I was actually on text. I was texting my buddy and he said, you know, this trade's about to go down. The trade's about to go down. And then all of a sudden it happened. So I got them at plus 1400. I got lucky because literally seconds later after the bet placed, it dropped so quickly. The odds shifted from 2100 to 1100 within 10 minutes of the news breaking. That's how good Soto is. He's that good to bring that the line a thousand down. That's how that's how good he is. I'm now the biggest Padres fan in the world, so need to get myself a jersey, need to get ready for this playoff run. Going back to that Dodgers comparison, that would be such a good postseason series. That would be amazing. We need that LA and San Diego rivalry. Sick of LA winning these all of these championships. That NL West rivalry would be, you know, fantastic. Tatis is coming off injury, so I don't know what his injury is, by the way. I don't know how significant it is, but it, he's been gone for a while. So once he comes back from that injury, they're going to be all together. That big three will be stacked. It's going to be really fun to watch. Tatis was the cover of MLB The Show last year, so clearly he's the best player in the league besides Otani, right? He has to be. I think that when it's all said and done, though, I'm going to give my World Series prediction. I think that we might get a Subway Series World Series. Can you imagine having that in sports? Can you imagine having that for the culture of sports, for the culture of New York? The riots and the crime rates in New York would be out of this world. That would be the start of World War III, not the conflicts going on in Russia or Ukraine or China and Taiwan. This would be the start of World War III. Just the content on social media that would spark from that matchup. But I guess no matter what, the city of New York would be ecstatic that championship is coming home to them. Although I do think it would be a much bigger deal if the Yankees won. I feel like Mets fans are definitely in the lower rung of New Yorkers. I don't know why that is. Maybe just because the Yankees are a more profound organization. It just feels like the Yankee fans, feels like the Mets fans are the blue collar ones and the Yankee fans are just the rich guys who walk on Wall Street with their families, you know, have all these big boats and yachts. That's just, that's just the vibe I get from an outsider. Also, looking at this weekend, it was just good to watch games as a casual baseball fan because the Dodgers and the Padres played, the Mets and the Braves played. Those are four of the best teams in the NL. So we got to see how all of these teams stacked up with one another within the National League. The Mets absolutely steamrolled the Braves. I think they won 3-1 to one in their series. Dodgers swept. So... Who knows? Maybe the Soto deal didn't make the biggest difference in the world. I know Tatis didn't play, so that's a factor you have to think about. And you think they would win at least one game, though, but guess not. Might end up not being enough for the Padres over the Dodgers. Could be 
you know, the Dodgers could be that much better than everyone else. You know, nothing matters until October, though. So I'm going to keep the faith. Going to keep looking forward to postseason baseball. That's the only time I really tune in. So it's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. All right, guys, that does it for this episode of On the DL Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. I know this was a shorter episode this week, but we're just in that transition period of sports with football around the corner. So really just wasn't a lot going on. Again, make sure to follow the Instagram page at DLSportsCom. That's at DLSportsCom. Appreciate you guys, and I'll see you guys next week.